Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers Football Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today by my co-host and resident hooligans, Barrett Hartman and Clayton McKinney. Guys, how are we doing this afternoon? Doing well. Fantastic. It's lovely weather here in Oklahoma on this Wednesday afternoon, and, and we've got some matches, right? The EPL kicked off last week, and so we'll take a look at the uh, opening weekend of games and then also give a little bit of a preview of what we expect to happen in week two. But before we get started, guys, you know, it's always important that we show some love to our primary sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Instagram or Twitter at chalkokc. Their weekend brunch setup is perfect for those mid-morning EPL kickoffs here in the States, and there's no better place to have a conversation about sports and watch the games. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. And Barrett, I know you and I are going to be at Chalk Saturday afternoon uh, watching a little sports, uh, both uh, soccer, uh, both college football, and then doing a little college football fantasy draft. So we will be there partaking this weekend as well. So looking forward to that. Yeah, really looking forward to it. I always love getting there. They always have some unique menu items. Uh, always nice for a little change of pace on the palate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe you can you get there a little bit early. Maybe you get a uh, you know mimosa or something to kick it off, a Bloody Mary, and then we'll transition to uh, to some beer after that. And if we stay long enough, probably whiskey after that, which will probably be a, a rough Sunday morning. But hey, we've we've been there and we've done that before. Well, let's get into it, man. So. Let's do a little match week or match week one review, and and I think we have to start with with probably the most enjoyable and exciting game to watch, at least from a neutral perspective. Maybe not for your perspective, Barrett, because probably gave you a heart attack. But uh, let, let's start off with Liverpool and Leeds, a thriller that ended four uh, three. Thoughts on that game as a Liverpool fan, Barrett? You know what what did you see? What what looked good? What looked bad? But what are your initial thoughts from that first game? And it was a it was a crazy ride, right? Uh, you know, nobody had a, a lead more than one goal. It was, you know, one nothing, 1-1, one, one, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and finally, uh, uh, winning that penalty late that uh, Salah put home for the uh, W there. But uh, very, uh, very exciting. Lots of energy back, you know, back and forth, up and down the pitch. Uh, you know, looking at the possession stats, it was uh, pretty well evenly matched there. Um, you know, Liverpool had a few more shots. But, uh, man, Leeds really took advantage of the chances that they were given. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned it in the initial podcast where we did the season preview. You know, we both said, hey, look out for leads. You know, they're not just coming up to try to stay up this year. They're, they're going to compete and they're going to play good football under under manager uh, Marcelo Bilsa. And, and we saw that. Uh, and so, so yeah, not not super surprising to to us, at least, that, that Leeds had, had a good possession of the ball for most of the game or for parts of the game, I should say. Yeah, I, th- I think we both had leads right at mid-table is our prediction for the season. And, you know, we're kind of left with that question, you know, we're are leads really as good as we think they are, or, or was Liverpool poor? And they, they certainly had some errors on the defensive end that led to that uh, close result. So it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Well, from a United fan perspective, Clayton, obviously we're going to think that Liverpool was poor in that game. So so <laughs> what what did you take away from that match? You know, uh, Barrett mentioned the the challenge at the end that gave away the penalty for Salah's hat trick. Uh, Rodrigo, the new boy, the striker, making making a, a striker's challenge in the box is probably about the best way to sum up that, uh, that challenge there. But, but what were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, I was a bit surprised by Leeds United, to be honest. Um, when I when we were first sitting down watching the game, I saw that their lineup was a 4-4-3, so I was like, okay, well, they're going to go out and attack. I mean, I thought they were going to go out into a more defensive lineup, really. I mean, Liverpool looked really good to begin with, but it seems they kind of let off after the first goal and let you know Leeds United come back and score. 
Bamford, wow. I mean, capitalizing on Van Dyke's mistakes, I mean, he looked really good and looked really sharp, and they really punished um, Liverpool, so... Yeah, you you mentioned that one, the one boo boo from Van Dyke there, and obviously he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes, and so we we got to give him a little bit of reprieve there. And he he is human from time to time, but uh, yeah, Liverpool, you know, a little bit shaky at the back at times, but you know, I don't know if it's anything to be truly concerned about going forward. I I think you know Leeds, obviously the the first game you're playing at the defending champs, you're newly promoted. They probably had a little buzz and a little pop to them for sure, and they they were certainly up for the game. Uh, and, and that was evident. But, you know, Barrett, moving forward, you know, any concerns about, about Liverpool at the back or, or are you going to trust those those four guys? And then obviously Allison ahead of them. Uh, you know, it, it was good enough last year, right? Again, what I don't think anything's changed that dramatically uh, between now and uh, in, in a couple months ago, right? Well, the, the concern for me is not so much what happened, you know, uh, this past weekend. But, you know, ever since the restart, it's been just a touch shaky. It hasn't been bad. I don't want to, you know, exaggerate it. But, it wasn't the same as what we saw before the COVID break there. So definitely something that I'm keeping an eye on. Well, you know, let's go to the next game, guys. And that was the early kickoff on, on Saturday morning, uh, Saturday morning for us. Uh, and that was a, a London derby. We had Arsenal taking on Fulham at Craven Cottage. And, and Arsenal really took it to them, guys. So not not maybe a surprising result in the fact that Arsenal got all three points. But they, they win in dominating fashion 3-0. Uh, they look really, really sharp in that game. But what, what are your thoughts from that one, Clayton, your initial takeaways from, from the Gooners opening game against Fulham? Arsenal had really good possession up front as far as getting numbers in behind. Um, and then also attacking with Aubameyang with – Lacazette, um, I thought they played really well. And then they also pressed really well, too. So they pressed in numbers. Um, they pick, they kind of picked and choose when to press, when to not press, kind of let the game come towards them, and then go on the attack. So I thought Arsenal was really impressive in their first game. You know, one thing that stood out to me, Barrett, from a fantasy perspective, is one of my draft picks, uh, that of uh, uh, center half Gabriel Magalas. Uh, he actually you know, debut uh, at the back for for Arsenal. Had a couple shaky moments earlier in that match. Uh, there, there was almost a miscommunication between him and the keeper at one point on a back pass that uh, almost let in Fulham early, early in that game. Uh, but, but played himself into the game and then uh, ends up nicking a goal right after uh, the restart on halftime. That really kind of gave Arsenal a little bit of a comfort level there. And then uh, Aubameyang goes on to add the third that kind of puts it away. But uh, what are your thoughts thoughts on Arsenal and what Arteta, again, continues to impress? Yeah, I mean, Arsenal's been hot ever since the restart. And, uh, you know, they kept that going this weekend. Uh, the one player that stood out to me, though, was Willian. Uh, playing down the right-hand side, uh, he assisted on uh, the Aubameyang goal as well as the uh, the corner kick there for uh, Gabriel. And, but uh, Lacazette's goal, that, that was a rebound off of a Willian shot that was saved. So he was involved in all three goals. He made a huge impact in that game. Again, uh, you know, a free transfer. Uh, can't get much better than doing business like that. Yeah, and we talked about him at length during the uh, the initial preseason pod uh, last week that you was know, really kind of surprising that, that Chelsea let him go. And obviously Chelsea spent a lot of money and brought in some new players, and we'll talk about them here in a moment. But we all kind of thought, hey, he's, he's still got some gas left in the tank. And, man, he, he did. He looked great down the right wing for Arsenal. And so you would anticipate uh, him continuing to hold down that spot uh, moving forward. But it looks like a good piece of business. The price was certainly right for, uh, for the Gunners on that one. So now the pre premier uh, game of the opening weekend arguably was that of Sunday uh, and that was Everton uh, taking on Jose Mourinho's Spurs 
And we had a little bit of a split here as to what we think, uh, what we thought was going to happen there. And Barrett and I said, hey, look, we, we both like Everton to get a result in this game. I think Barrett was so bold to actually pick Everton to win the match. Um, Clayton, I, I can't recall your pick, so we'll, we'll get to that here in a moment. But but Everton get it done. One nil. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin gets the uh, the lone goal in the second half to, uh, to get all three points. But an impressive performance from Everton, Barrett. Uh, that midfield trio, a bunch of new boys that they brought in, all three of them get the start, and all three of them look like they're uh, they're going to mesh together pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you got James, Allen, and a Decoure coming in, and they really dominated the middle of the park. And uh, sp- especially uh, James going down the uh, right there, uh, he should have had an assist. Uh, he you know sent one across that um, Richarlison just sent crazy. It was it was one of the worst shots yeah. of the how, week. How well, did you miss that? One of those yeah. types well, of yeah, yeah, yeah. had another one. Yeah, yeah, about four yards out and uh, put it twenty yards wide or something like yeah, that. Raheem so. Sterling esque on the miss <laughs> yeah. there. I think is the best way to put it. But uh, no, I, I expected uh, Everton to go in there and, and get the win there, and uh, th- they came through with it. So uh, definitely uh, bright things ahead for them with that uh, midfield trio. Well, Clayton, d- does this do anything to test your love and admiration for Jose Mourinho at this point? Uh, you, you, you pick Tottenham to win the match, the opening match. Uh, they drop points. Is is there a little bit of pressure on Jose at this point uh, with that type of start? Um, it wasn't so much that Tottenham lost the match, right? Hey, that happens. EPL, uh, anybody can beat anybody on any, any given weekend. But the the offense moving forward, there wasn't a whole lot of flow. There wasn't a whole lot of continuity to what they were doing. Uh, are there reasons to be concerned for Spurs already uh, into this early, early part of the season? Yes and no for Jose. So, think yes in the fact that if they do continue this poor run, um, they're going to, you know, they're going to point out some of these early games as kind of like the key indicator of, hey, this is where you didn't get it done, this is why you're leaving. So these next couple of games are huge for Jose and, you know, Spurs as a club to get results and start moving forward. I mean, obviously, there's rumors out there of getting Gareth Bale as well, so that might bolster up the attack. And to be honest, I mean, it's just so uninspiring. I mean, their football is just so uninspiring. I mean, they did a good job of getting back, you know, when we're coming back from the COVID stuff, um, to go back and get, you know, some results to get them into kind of a um, a decent place at finishing six. I mean, it's better than, you know, not being in the Europa League the following year. So, and then also no, as in, I think if they would have got her, if they should have got rid of him, they should have got rid of him at the beginning of the year. I mean, eventually if there's, if they go into a poor form, then he's gone. So maybe Daniel Levy and the Spurs administration are, are perhaps building a case here, right? It, it's duly noted uh, a lackluster start for Spurs for sure. Uh, and we'll talk about them and, and their, their upcoming game, uh, for week two, and again, perhaps a must-win already for Jose at Spurs. But um, we were also treated to two matches on Monday night football or Monday afternoon football for us here in the States, guys. And so I want to start with uh, the later match of the two, and that being uh, Chelsea and Brighton uh, squaring off. Chelsea get the victory 3-1. to one. You know, all the all the talk going into the, 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 the Chelsea's first game on Monday was the offseason acquisitions and all the new boys that they had acquired and all the money that they had splashed. And so two of those guys get the uh, get significant playing time and get the start and Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. Uh, but it was really the old guard that, that put all the goals in and, and kind of kept them um, in the uh, uh, in the ascendancy on this point. But uh, Barrett, thoughts on this Chelsea game? Um, you know, not surprising that they won, but any takeaways from this one? 
Yeah, I mean, Brighton's not very good, right? So you expect the win, even if they play poorly. And, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, they didn't play that all that well. You know, they, they did pick up three goals, which, you know, that's great and all. But uh, with the talent they have against a subpar opponent, uh, the possession and the chances for Brighton was just far too much. You know, that being said, only two of the new guys played. Uh, the rest of them, you know, still have some nagging injuries. And also, uh, not just the new guys, but Pulisic, right? He's, yeah. uh, since the restart, he's been the star of that team, and uh, he's still sidelined as well. Yeah, talk is that perhaps Ben Chilwell and, and, and Pulisic as well might be available as early as this weekend's games uh, to kind of slide those guys in. And so, you know, but perhaps it's it's a... Uh, or, or the jury is still out, I should say, on Chelsea, given the fact that they didn't have a full lineup. But they they got you know got the three points, and that was what was most important. But Clayton, any any takeaways from this game on Monday afternoon, uh, in in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Barrett. I mean, Chelsea can't be too satisfied with the result as far as the performance. Obviously, three points is huge. But I thought you know interesting to point out that you know two defenders scored for <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, that was Kurt Zuma on the deflection. I think Reese James had yeah, the Reece goal. James. Yeah, Reese James. Yeah, yeah, What a shot. Um, I think it was his first goal in the Premier League as well. And, you know, what a goal it was. But um, going forward, I think, you know, once they get a couple guys back from injury, um, I think they should be a real force to reckon with, uh, you know, pending Liverpool this weekend. Well, you know, the other big game that was on Monday, guys, was that of Wolves and Sheffield. And so we, we gave Wolves a lot of love on this podcast in our initial preseason prediction episode. And and they didn't disappoint, right? Two goals in the first six minutes of the uh, match really kind of put this one away. And they kind of went on cruise, cru- cruise control from there. But, uh, Clayton, initial thoughts on your team, uh, Wolves, <laughs> at least your, your team from a preseason love standpoint. But uh, uh, Wolves over Sheffield United 2-0 uh, looked pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, their wolves are dangerous on the counter. So, and they proved that obviously in the first three minutes of the game. You know, a quick ball, quick ball off of a turnover to Potence on the right side took his man on, picked out you know Jimenez, and he just volleyed, volleyed it in. It was beautiful. Um, I mean, they followed up. You know, obviously with that you know corner set piece as well. So, I mean, they can do both. So they're great offset pieces, and they can also score quick on the counters. No, an impressive debut, uh, Barrett. Uh, any 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 thoughts on that? You know, Wilder had had such you know through parts of, of you know we talked about in the premiere that that Sheffield overachieved last year, and, and part of that is that they were so compact and, and so well organized. And man, to ship two goals in the first six minutes of the match has to be disappointing for Wilder there. And, and they just you know it was too too big of a hole for them to kind of come out of from that point. Uh, but but any thoughts on Sheffield kind of moving forward? I mean, or, or should they be concerned? Yeah, I think Sheffield should be concerned. Um, they, they did overachieve last year. Uh, it did kind of come out of nowhere. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the pundits had them picked to uh, go back down last year. So, uh, you know, they were fighting for a European place for much of the season. Uh, definitely an overachieving situation, and I don't, I don't think they can uh, keep that up. They didn't have a, a real productive offseason from the standpoint of signings and improving the squad. So I, I think they – I'm not saying they're going to go down, but I think they're certainly a bottom half of the table material. And, and, and speaking of the table itself, you know, we'll take a quick look at the table here, guys. Um, Arsenal and Leicester City on top, uh, you know, three points, three uh, plus three on goal differential. And we didn't really talk about that game in depth, but Leicester City just, just pounded 
uh, West Brom, and, and to none, no no surprises here. I think you know again oh, we we had all picked West Brom as a unanimous twentieth place. And any anything that stands out to you guys from the table? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's most interesting is that there were no draws, no draws in opening weekend, all wins and losses. And then obviously you have the two Manchester clubs uh, sitting in the middle of the table right now, given the fact that they haven't played yet. Uh, but uh, but anything that jumps out to you guys from from the table after week one? Like you mentioned, the, the no draws was the thing that jumped out to me uh, as as we finished up the games on Monday. I can't remember, uh, you know, the last time I've ever seen that, but I don't know. Uh, other than that, it was pretty much chalk. Uh, shout out to Chalk Sports Bar, uh, Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar. But, uh, no, I mean, it was all the favorites. You could argue the Everton Spurs game maybe was a, a, a slight upset, but not from my standpoint. So, uh, after one week, you know, goal difference doesn't mean a whole lot. So, I'm not going to focus on that. You know, that'll work itself out over the course of 38. Yeah, you know, a wise man of months said that there's not no use looking at the table till Christmas time, right? And so I, I don't know if we're we're getting ahead of ourselves, but Clayton, any anything that jumps out to you uh, from it from an opening weekend from a table perspective? Uh, I'll be straight up, not really. I mean, like you said, we'll wait until December to see where you know this thing starts lining out. If we look ahead to week two, I guess before we get to our week two predictions and previews, guys, let's talk about some of the news that's developed here over the last couple of days since Sunday, Monday from a transfer speculation standpoint, from a contract extension standpoint. And, and I think that we do have to start with the contract extensions and that of Jack Grealish and then uh, Yang both get their contract extensions at their respective clubs. Aston Villa, a five-year extension for Jack Grealish, and I think a three-year extension for uh, Pierre uh, uh, Yang at Arsenal. Good moves, good deals for those guys. So t- from, from a personal perspective, probably yes, right? You're getting the money. But from a club perspective as well, uh, thoughts on that, Barrett? Yeah, I mean, especially on Graylish. Um, you know, five year, his wages are going from seventy four thousand a week up to one hundred and forty thousand a week. So, uh, damn near getting his his pay doubled. Um, and it is a five year deal, so he's got that security going forward. And let's let's not kid ourselves. I mean, a, a five year contract from a club's perspective, you don't really have that player for five years. You have that player until he forces a move. So, you know, there's really no risk there for Graylish. Um, he gets the money. He gets the security for five years, and he can still move whenever he wants. He can, you know, just takes a little bit of effort. Uh, Clayton, your thoughts on these two contract extensions from from some, two of the biggest stars in the EPL right now, for sure. One one guy really kind of starting out his career, and then the other guy, Bami Yang, perhaps towards the latter end of his career, perhaps his last big contract. But man, hard to say that it hasn't been merited and deserved. He's he's been on fire for Arsenal. Uh, thought thoughts on these two contracts? Yeah, I mean for Grealish. I- Personally, I think it was not a good move for him as far as signing again. He's 25 years old. From a United fan, right? (laughs) Well, I'm not even saying I'm for him personally. Um, I mean, if he wants to be a top player, you have to prove yourself on top clubs, and he's only 25 years old, right? I think now was the time to switch and grow as a player. He says he's happy there, but for how long? This reminds me of, you know, Jordan Morris. Not wanting to go to Europe because his girlfriend got him a new puppy and he didn't want to move. I remember Jermaine Jones talking about that and saying, like, are you kidding me? You have to go to Europe. You have to get better. You have to challenge yourself. You know, like like you said, Barry, I mean, he's probably going to be there for, what, two years? Maybe. And unless they get relegated, then he's gone. If he's just staying there for the money, then you, you might as well stay until they get relegated and keep staying until that contract runs out. But as a player, I think he should have moved on. I think I think that contract it'll it'll certainly change if if Villa don't stay up this year for sure. So the dynamics will change as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean absolutely. Villa will be looking to dump that salary if they don't stay <laughs> yeah. up. But but uh, you know on the other hand, uh, you know talking about 
looking for that opportunity to move to a bigger club. You know, there were rumors about him going to United this summer, and, you know, for whatever reason that didn't happen. I'm not aware of an official bid actually coming in. So it's interesting that this contract extension talk came up after the move to United didn't happen. So maybe he didn't have that opportunity to go to a big club this summer. Yeah, you know, that that was always the talk is, you know, the asking price was $80 million. And from a United fan's perspective, you know, the question was, well, how's he going to fit in, right? How's he going to slot in? Where does he play? And and certainly now, you know, in hindsight, with Donnie Vandebeek coming over uh, and making that signing, in, in a similar type of player, kind of a creative midfield that can either play a little wide or maybe play in the number 10 role. And, and Vandebeek, I think, has even played a, uh, you know, more of a deeper position for Ajax in the past as well. And so, one of those jack of all trades in the in the center midfield position, and so uh, probably put to rest uh, any any signs or, or any opportunities. That's a good sound um, of uh, of Grealish moving to United anytime soon. But again, should they go down this year, uh, the the dynamics will certainly evolve and change there, and perhaps he will move on uh, to one of the bigger clubs, as we mentioned. And speaking of some of the bigger clubs, all the news earlier in the week was United. Are giving up on the on, on Jaden Sancho, and they're looking as an alternative Gareth Bell. And now, over the last twenty four hours, that news has kind of evolved to Spurs are going to sign both Gareth Bell and then the left back. Uh, it's a Real Madrid prayer, but he's been on loan, uh, Sergio Reguilon. Uh, that Spurs are going to sign both of them this week. And so uh, definitely some exciting news there if you're a Spurs fan. And maybe the performance over the weekend has kind of prompted uh, Jose and Daniel Levy to both say, hey, we probably need to spend some money if we're going to try to be competitive this year. But but thoughts on this, Barrett, from a United fan perspective, and that you know what, what, what are your thoughts of the prospects of even signing Gareth Bell? If we lose out to Spurs, is it really a loss? Gareth Bell is one of the highest paid players in the world, right? Personally, for my club, I wouldn't want to take on those wages. You're just, you know, taking on an older player. He wasn't playing at Real Madrid for a reason. Uh, not saying he's not talented. He obviously is. But uh, whether it's a, a culture or an attitude or, or whatever uh, is not a fit there. So for those wages, unless Real Madrid are heavily subsidizing them, I don't want him on my team. Clayton, uh, you're my United fan. So <laughs> your, your thoughts on potentially losing out on – uh, Gareth Bell, and again, is it is it really a loss? Uh, certainly, if you don't sign Sancho, that's that's a big loss because all the uh, the off off season saga that's been tied uh, to him and his potential move to Manchester United. Uh, but but what are your thoughts on Gareth Bell? Again, thirty one years old, injury prone, hasn't played in a lot of meaningful games in the last two seasons, arguably. Thoughts of him moving back to Spurs, a place that he says has a special place in his heart. Uh, thoughts on that move? Um, I think it's a good move for. Spurs for the interim right now. Jose Mourinho was there to win trophies, and they haven't won since, or any trophy since, what, 12 years ago? It's been been a long time. So, I mean, for them, I think it's a good move for the interim. But, I mean, if if United misses out on them like they're going to, I mean, it's not a huge deal. Like you said, Barry, I don't think we're going to sign a 31-year-old injury-prone, you know, kind of ex-superstar, ex-kind of there. Um, I, I think it's a good move for United not to even pursue it anymore. Hopefully we can get Sancho, but, um, yeah, I'm not upset about Bale going to Spurs at all. And uh, from a personal standpoint, I'd just like to throw in the last meaningful kick that I saw Gareth Bale take was a bicycle kick in the Champions League final <laughs> yeah, know, against right? my uh, Liverpool squad. So yeah. definitely uh, not one of my favorite players. If that's the last kick, uh, last meaningful kick that you ever have, that that, that one's pretty impressive uh, for sure. So yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a crazy, uh, crazy Champions League 
uh, final on that front. But I, I guess if we move across Europe, let's say, you know, some of the news that came out over the weekend and, and, and earlier this week was that of rumors that Kylian Mbappe, the uh, super-duper star for PSG, has told the club that he does not intend to sign a contract extension and that they should probably listen to any offers that might come in the uh, in the summer. And so two names that are obviously tied to Mbappe in the Premier League were that of Liverpool and, and Manchester United because of the deep pockets and because his prior expression of des- uh, admiration for both of those clubs. Thoughts on the potential of a Premier League move for Kylian Mbappe. Um, and, and PSG is off to an ugly start, too, in the uh, in, in Ligue 1. So I think they've lost their first two games. Um, and, and so kind of an interesting time uh, for that uh, that news to kind of pop out. But any type of, of, of tangible uh, opportunity or tangible reality associated with this, Barrett, your, your thoughts on, on Mbappe? Uh, from a Liverpool standpoint, the only way it happens is if Salah or Mane force their way out. Um, he's not going to invest that kind of money in a, in a player that's in a rotating situation. Uh, but every transfer window, those rumors about either Mane or Salah come up and you know, typically related to uh, Barcelona or Real Madrid. If, if one of those guys takes the bait and forces their way out, then uh, the timing may be right for Liverpool. And you have to think that Barcelona and Real Madrid would, would be involved in any potential move for Mbappe as well. But your your thoughts, Clayton? So any any uh, any any smoke to this fire here, or any fire to the smoke, I should say? So uh, with uh, with Mbappe uh, perhaps making a move, uh, it depends on if we get Sancho from a United perspective. I mean, if we're going to spend that type of money, who are we going to wait on? Are we going to wait on Mbappe, or are we going to wait on Sancho? The only thinking I have is maybe they wait until next summer to possibly sign Sancho. I know it's not ideal, but the price might come down with Mbappe wanting to be out of PSG. So, I mean, it's a waiting game. If you want to spend that money, you might as well wait until you got two really good players to, you know, choose from. No, I, I agree. So it'd be interesting to kind of see how that develops, especially given the fact, you know, again, we, we mentioned PSG off to a, a ugly slow start uh, in the, in the French league. So, uh, if they continue to uh, to kind of perform below expectation, then, then maybe those rumors start to really, really ramp up. So, you know, a couple other uh, news articles or, or headlines that was in the news, uh, maybe not quite uh, Mbappe-esque, but uh, one of them affected your club, Barrett, and that of uh, Brewster, perhaps. Is he going to go out on loan uh, to maybe Sheffield United or one of the other clubs? Again, going to be tough for him to break in and get a lot of meaningful playing time up front with that trio that, that Liverpool have right now. But thoughts on the potential of, of perhaps losing him or, or maybe maybe you can loan him out and, and kind of keep him in the fold there. But obviously a talented player to be such a young Young guy came up through the academy uh, in the three preseason games. I think he netted four goals. So he's definitely got the ability to play it in the Premier League. But like you said, in that front three, you know, when you do need to rotate those guys, you've already got Minamino, Harvey Elliott, uh, Oxley Chamberlain, Curtis Jones, uh, still have Divock Origi, and even Shakiri can play in one of those front three positions. So definitely uh, a lot of competition there in that second tier uh, attacking player for Liverpool. So it absolutely makes sense to get him uh, loaned out or possibly even sold with a buyback clause. I think that's actually Klopp's preference at this point. 
Probably the best of both worlds there, right? So you, you get him out, you get him some meaningful playing time at one of these other clubs, and then, you know, should he burgeon into the superstar that he has the potential to become, uh, you always have that opportunity to kind of bring him back in-house. And so uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one and see how that develops. And, and, and the last last bit of news that we'll touch on from an EPL standpoint was, was that of uh, Arsenal's backup keeper, Martinez, uh, the Argentinian who played a, a lot of meaningful time for Arsenal in Project Restart and played pretty well. Uh, he goes out to Aston Villa this week. Uh, probably a good move from a Villa perspective for sure, but I- any thoughts on this move, Clayton? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, what they sold him for, what, 20 million pounds? Uh, I mean, they're just making, you know, room on their roster to probably pay out, you know, somewhere else, give someone else a nice little bump in their weekly paycheck. But, I mean, I mean he did a good job on that project restart. I guess they're just trying to make money moves at this point, so... Bird Leno, I think, is is the established starter for um, uh, for Arsenal there, and so uh, he, he's probably a guy that deserves to have a starting position in the Premier League based upon how he performed in Project Restart. Restart, uh, so so a good move from him, and, and a good good bit of business from Aston Villa as well. Probably slot, slot right in as the starting keeper for them. So, any any thoughts on that, Barrett? Before we move on. No, I mean Arsenal's got two solid keepers, both uh, probably qualified to start at this level. So. Uh, I don't know who they have at the uh, third keeper slot, but he moves up to a backup role. Assuming they've got confidence in him when they need him, then absolutely a good bit of business. Yeah, you can never never have too many good keepers for sure. So, well, well guys, let's look ahead to match week two and, and preview some of the uh, the games uh, that we anticipate being uh, worthy of watching for sure. Again, we like watching all of them, but uh, we only have so many TVs. Uh, and so I want to start, again, as a United fan, we didn't get to uh, participate in last weekend's uh, opening match because of the uh, the delay there for the Europa League run. But Manchester United hosting Crystal Palace uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, let's start with you, Clayton. Again, as a United fan, got to be excited about it, excited to see if, if Van de Beek perhaps makes his debut there. But uh, going to be favorites against Crystal Palace, who, who got a win in week one, so they're, they're, they're three points in the bag already. And so we can't really take them lightly on that front. But uh, thoughts on the opening match for this season at Old Trafford this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Um, as mentioned last week, I can't wait to see Van de Beek out there. And I think he'll start. Um and here's the reason why it looks to be Ole doesn't have a full squad to choose from. And you got Victor Lindelof, Anthony Martial, Mason Greenwood, not likely to play because of international duty and, you know, trying to get pay dirt on the side. Along with, um, you know, Paul Pogba, Matic, Juan Mata, Fred, Aaron Juan, Juan Basaka, Eric Bailly. Um, they just returned this past Monday. And then also Bruno was arriving this past weekend. So, there's not very many people to possibly jump in there. We might we might see some more of the young guys play this first game, um, along with you know probably bringing on some of the uh, more experienced players later in, uh, probably around the 60th, 70th minute to you know hopefully get the win. But I will say Crystal Palace has a has a way of sneaking up on people, right? They always do. They've done. I mean, they they look pretty sharp against Southampton this past weekend. You can't really, you know, rule them out at all because they've. I mean, I, like I said, they've done it before. They've beaten United before. They've surprised a lot of different teams here and there. Obviously, another guy to watch is uh, Andrew Townsend. I know he's he's scored some big goals coming out of that right back position. So, uh, my prediction for the game, and I hate to say it, but it's probably going to be a two-two match. 
you mentioned Crystal Palace being a tough out, uh, especially for United. You know, former United man, you know, Wilfred Zaha, he always plays United with the chip on his shoulder and always plays well against United. But, Barrett, any any concerns uh, for, for, for United? Should they be be Larry of the Eagles uh, from Crystal Palace coming up uh, to play at Old Trafford this weekend? Well, I mean, Crystal Palace did get the three points over the weekend uh, against Southampton. But if you look at those stats, uh, you know, Southampton maybe should have came away with a result there. They had 70% of the possession. They had uh, more shots, nine to five, more shots on target, five to three. But, you know, Zaha's quality eventually won out there uh, getting that goal. So also like to note, Palace had a midweek game in the Carabao Cup. Uh, actually went out to Bournemouth 11 to 10 on penalties. <laughs> Crazy penalty <laughs> shootout. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, too bad that wasn't on TV here in the states. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard the record watch. was fourteen to thirteen, I think, and so they they were they were approaching the all time record on PKs, I think. So yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, ultimately, uh, I, I wasn't very impressed with Palace last weekend. They get the loss midweek uh, against a, a lower division side, although they did play kind of a second uh, tier squad there. But uh, I think this one's got United uh, a United win written all over it. I'm going two nil. Okay, well, let's go back to the South, uh, Barrett, and let's let's go to London and, and Arsenal. Uh, another London derby uh, after after dispatching Fulham in Week One, three to nil. Uh, they host West Ham United this week. Uh, West Ham, you know, uh, struggled in Week One. Uh, you know, Arsenal looked really, really good. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Any reason why Arsenal doesn't take all three points here, Barrett? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I think they continue that dominance. Uh, Again, look for William to play a big part in that going down the right side. I, th- I think he'll be key again. Uh, Clayton, any any thoughts on, on this this London derby? West Ham's just going to have to sit back and defend, uh, making sure they mark up defensively really nice. I know they had – I mean, against uh, Newcastle, that's kind of what led them down was the defensive marking, just, you know, switching off for that, you know, split second and bing, bang, boom goal. Um, I think, you know, they're going to have to hang on for dear lives against Arsenal. Well, a fun game that's going to be in that 9 a.m. Central, 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time slot is that of uh, Leeds United hosting uh, Fulham. So so the two newly promoted teams, uh, both of them lose in week one, but both lose in very, very different fashions in week one. But uh, Leeds United opening it up at Elon Road, again, so so disappointing and frustrating that there's not going to be any fans in that, uh, that, that amazing venue there. But you have to lean probably towards Leeds United based upon that opening week performance, but uh, any potential opportunity for Fulham to get a result uh, in this match, Clayton, your thoughts on this one? No, I don't think so. I mean, Leeds gave, you know, Liverpool with trouble with their press and, you know, their great work rate, um, you know, and then Fulham had kind of the same issues against Arsenal with, you know, how they were pressing. So I think Leeds is going to give them, you know, some trouble, you know, getting the ball out of the back and getting established. And I think, Leeds will, you know, win this game. Um, and they're also great um, at getting back defensively, too. So, I mean, I think they're going to have – it's probably going to be uh, probably a 3-1 game, Leeds. I think I'm going with that. Barrett, what do you think about this one? Like you said, Leeds uh, looked like they belong at, at this level against Liverpool. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot of chances against Liverpool. They had three shots on target, but they all found the net. So um, I, I think that continues. Uh, they're going to be very clinical and uh, punish Fulham for their mistakes. I've got three nil leads. Ooh. Okay. Well, they're, they're the early kickoff on Sunday morning, 6 a.m. Central time, 7 a.m. Eastern, and we, we alluded to it earlier in the pod, is that of Jose Mourinho's Spurs traveling to the south coast to take on Southampton. Again, both, both teams lose uh, uh, 1-0, I believe, in, in the opening week. We, we mentioned it. Is this a must-win for, for Spurs already? 
uh, so early, week two. But, uh, you know, Barrett, your thoughts on this one with Spurs heading down to take on the Saints on the South Coast? You know, I wouldn't call this one a must-win just yet, but uh, I, I think we're headed in that direction uh, for Mourinho. Uh, on this game specifically, like I mentioned, Southampton, uh, they dominated possession uh, shots. They had more opportunities. They just didn't have the, the ability to finish. And uh, I, I think that's going to give Spurs trouble. However, I think the quality of Harry Kane is going to make the difference in this one. I've got 2-1 Spurs. Okay. Clayton, your thoughts on this one. So you're, you're, you're beloved Mourinho and Spurs now. So, again, <laughs> this is your, your guy, your, your team, right? So what, what are your thoughts on them traveling south to take on Saints? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost this game either. Um, just just because of the form that Spurs have been in uh, recently. But, I mean, it's just a matter of Son and Harry Kane linking up. And, I mean, Deli Alley's Deli Alley, and he'll show up whenever he wants to. But, yeah, I mean, there's a couple chances in that last game against um, Everton where, I mean, Son had a driving run through the midfield – and they had Harry Kane coming in through the middle, and he doesn't even pass the ball off to him. Put it, put it into his feet. Have him go one on one with the keeper and contest a little bit. But he decides to cut it back, lay it off the Deli Alley. Deli Alley hits it, misses it, obviously. But I mean, you have to rely on you have to have Son play a great game in order to feed Harry Kane as well. So I mean, those two are kind of you know, a duo that need to have both have great games in order to win. I think, I think they do bounce back, but you know, I'm still not really high on them. Yeah. Symbiotic relationship for sure between, between Son and Kane. So whenever uh, they're in sync and they're playing well, I mean, they're, they're one of the most uh, dynamic uh, duos up front and you factor in Lucas Mara and Deli Ali as well. And so the talent is there, but uh, again, is it, is it Jose's system? Uh, there seems to be a little bit of a funk on that team right now. And so maybe, maybe they get it figured out this weekend. You know, I will say before we get to the biggest game of the weekend, you know, one game on Monday evening, there's two games on Monday evening, Aston Villa and Sheffield United being one. But, you know, another game that might bear some honorable mention is that of Wolves hosting Manchester City. Uh, you would expect probably a pretty pretty open matchup there and probably going to be some offense in that one based upon uh, the firepower that both of those two teams have. So that'll be a fun one to watch uh, for sure. But, you know, the biggest game of the weekend by far, our first marquee matchup of, of two of the top six clubs, if we want to say that, uh, that being Chelsea hosting Liverpool. Again, both of them get three points in week one, but uh, super excited to see this and, and super excited to see if, if more of those new signings kind of slot in for Chelsea as well. But Barrett, this is your team, Liverpool. Uh, talk to me about your feelings going into this matchup on Sunday mid-morning, that 10.30 Central time slot. Um, how do you feel about going into this one? Uh, this is going to be a tricky matchup. Um, you know, I could I could see uh, a win. I could see a draw. I could see a loss. Uh, it's really hard to get a handle on. And part of that is just not knowing who's going to play for Chelsea. You know, not only are they still gelling, they've got these injury concerns. Uh, the latest news I've seen, Pulisic and Zayic uh, look to still be out. Uh, Chilwell and Silva look like game time decisions. And even Werner picked up a, a little knock in that uh, run into the box where he drew the PK. So, uh, you know, he should be good to go, but but there's a lot of concern there and a lot of uh, question marks for who's going to play for Chelsea. Uh, all that being said, I, I'm going 2-2 draw. They both look potent on offense. 
Uh, they both looked a little bit shaky on the defensive end. I think there's going to be goals, uh, but I can't pick a winner here. I'm going with a draw. And, and these two have just had some epic clashes and some offensive shootouts in, in, in the past few years as well. So you think back to some of those, you know, 4-3 and 4-4 games and just, just, some, uh, just you know, a lot of fun to watch from a neutral perspective uh, for sure. And so, uh, Clayton, what what, do you, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, how do you see this one playing out? As Barrett mentioned, it's kind of tough to pick a Chelsea side right now. Still a lot of moving right, parts right. there. We know what we're probably going to get with Liverpool, uh, but but your thoughts on this big uh, matchup this weekend? Yeah, I mean, just for Liverpool, I think they just need to tighten up the defensive marking and the, obviously the defensive mistakes. You know, I think I thought they got too relaxed when, you know, against Leeds um, in their defensive third. So, I mean, maybe it was a little bit of championship lag. They're like, oh, we've already been here, you know. Um, you know, we should be able to, you know, breeze by these guys. But that wasn't the case. I think Klopp will get that cleaned up in time for the Chelsea game. And you also have to remember, um, there could be a lot of goals in this game. Uh, last time they met, 5-3 Liverpool. But, I mean, obviously Chelsea didn't, I mean, doesn't have the same uh, roster going out there this Saturday. But um, I think... I think Liverpool is going to get it done. I think they're going to, you know, uh, lock down in the defensive part and then have, you know, that three-headed monster up top go and score a bunch of goals for them. So I'm thinking I, th- I think it's going to be a 3-1 game, Liverpool. Well, you, you mentioned that that previous game, that 5-3, and in one of the standouts for Chelsea's perspective in that losing effort was 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 that of Pulisic. And, yep. and that, you know, I think he scored a goal, maybe had an assist, if I recall. Uh, and, and again, Barrett mentioned he's not going to be available. It doesn't look like he's going to be available uh, for this game on Sunday. But, you know, I, I, I tend to hedge towards Liverpool here. You know, I think, you know, you mentioned a little bit of it, Clayton, is that, you know, perhaps they were sleepwalking just a little bit with the newly promoted Leeds side. And, and, and even if not, I think Leeds was so pumped up to be back in the top right, flight. Right. And I think they played so well. You know, Chelsea's a team that's obviously going to command their attention. Um, and Klopp is so meticulous in his preparation for these types of games. So um, I'll tend to, to, to skew towards a little lower uh, uh, on the total, so uh, give me Liverpool two to one. I think this will be a little bit more of a cagey affair, not quite as open as games in the past. Uh, but I do like Liverpool to get this one, as as Chelsea's still kind of figure figuring out their way, right? So getting those new players to gel, it's going to take a little bit of time on that front. Uh, but give me Liverpool to win this one two to one. You know, part of what we also want to share with listeners this week is that now that the you know last week was kind of a, a preseason predictions, we went through the golden uh, golden boot, the golden gloves, and all the uh, the, the superlatives as, as well as picked our our winners in the tables. Uh, but we can't sleep on fantasy uh, uh, football as well here, and so you know we've all compiled a list this week of of our picks uh, of an eleven man lineup for who we think are going to be standouts from a fantasy perspective. And we realize that that some leagues have salary caps or other things that kind of go along with that and so each league is different and so we've tried to pick guys that are we we believe are going to have a, a solid performance and that are worthy of consideration from a fantasy perspective and so you know we're not factoring in salary caps or anything goofy like that so because you know again we want to uh, just throw out guys that we think are going to have a good week but let's start at the back here so let's start uh, who, who are going to be some goalkeepers uh, guys between the sticks that we think are going to have a solid performance, maybe a lot of saves, maybe a clean sheet. Uh, who do you think is going to stand out and why? And so, Barrett, let's start with you. Who, who's your who's your goalkeeper this week from a fantasy perspective? I'm putting Nick Pope with Burnley in goal uh, going up against Leicester. Uh, you got Jamie Vardy, and as long as he doesn't get uh, awarded uh, two penalty kicks again, I think he's got a decent shot of holding him either to a clean sheet or maybe giving up just one goal. 
but he'll have uh, plenty of save opportunities. Okay, I like that. Uh, Clayton, who, who's your pick at the back? Uh, I have Jordan Pickford. Um, just because, I mean, I mean, he, he played really good against um, Tottenham. I thought he was really decisive in coming out and handling the balls that were coming across. Um, and then also, obviously, uh, Everton's defense, they, I thought they were really solid in the back, uh, kind of locking down and not allowing Tottenham to get in. So I think they're going to do the same against West Brom. I give me Aaron Ramsdale from Sheffield United. So I know he gave up two quick goals in that that uh, uh, Monday night game uh, against Wolves earlier this week. But you know, Aston they're going to Aston Villa. I think Aston Villa is one of those teams that uh, they're they're just competent enough with Jack Grealish and some of those other players to get some shots on target, but maybe not competent enough to finish. So so I think he's got an opportunity for a clean sheet there. I think Wilder uh, in in that uh, defense tightens things up a little bit ahead of him, which will help out a little bit. But I think he's going to post some good saves as well. So give me Aaron. Ramsdale. And so uh, staying at the back again, all good teams are built from back to front. Uh, give me a let's let's talk. Let's take this in segments. Two fullbacks. Give me two fullbacks, Clayton, for fantasy purposes that you like uh, to have good performances here in week two. So I'll have Andreas Townsend and Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think uh, Townsend's gonna. I mean, obviously, he scored some big goals, and that's why I, why I like him against Manchester United this week. He also, you know, he doesn't make very many mistakes, so I think he's a solid uh, pick at right back there or left back wherever he decides to play. <laughs> um, and then Alexander Arnold, um, obviously, he got scored on this weekend, but I think he'll bounce back against Chelsea and have a better game. Now, Barrett, you you got some similarities here with your fullback. So, who who are your two two fullback picks for this week? Well, uh, on the right side, I'm going with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Chelsea last week started Marcos Alonso at left back, and he was absolutely awful. Um, so if they go with him again, uh, I think Trent's going to have a field day. Him and Salah both going down that right side. Um, they also have potentially Chilwell, uh, but you know if Chilwell doesn't play, they're left with uh, Alonso or you know possibly Azpilicueta. Uh, but still, uh, I think uh, Alexander-Arnold have a big day there. On the left side, I've got uh, Jamal Lewis with Newcastle. Uh, just signed for him. Didn't even have a week with the team and got the start and played pretty solid uh, there on the left side for Newcastle last week in the win. I like those picks. And and you you, you guys have taken a Trent Alexander-Arnold from me, so I'll, I'll try to go a different uh, different guy at right back. But uh, give me Hector Bellerin. So I, I think he provides a lot going forward. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does, does Arsenal play three at the back and kind of put him in that wing back position, which is probably his best position as well. So but kind of a right back, right wing back. And so I, I like him to uh, put up a good performance against West Ham this weekend in that London derby. And then at the left, give me Lucas Digne from uh, Everton. I thought he played really, really well against Spurs this weekend. Again, a little bit of a, a, of offense moving forward uh, with uh, with crosses and overlaps that kind of come from them. But I, I like Everton to uh, obviously win and play well against uh, uh, West Brom. Again, our, our unanimous pick for uh, last place and uh, relegation in the uh, Premier League this year. So uh, give, give me those two guys at fullback. So uh, Barrett, give me two center halves. So who do you like, uh, the men in the middle, who do you like at center half? Um, I like Soyuncu from uh, Leicester there at center half. Uh, I don't think a lot of Burnley going forward. I think there's a, a really good chance for a clean sheet there. Uh, you know, potentially getting up there on a corner kick and maybe nicking one as well. Uh, and then pairing with him, I've got Harry Maguire. You know, it's a bit of a question mark, you know, without playing last week on what, what to expect from Man United. 
but Crystal Palace was uh, dominated as far as possession shots. So I see a good chance for a clean sheet there. Uh, and then he's always a threat in the box on those corners. Well, he, he's all, always a threat on in, in Greece as well. So hopefully he's uh, got those uh, legal issues behind him now. I think that's still kind of an ongoing saga. But uh, uh, hopefully he's he's mentally ready uh, and prepared for the game as a United fan. Clayton and I are both hoping for that as well. But uh, Clayton, who, who are your two center halves? Who do you have uh, in the middle? So I have Gabrielle Strulich. Yeah, Strulich uh, from Leeds, Strulich? right? Yeah, yeah. um anyways yeah gabriel um you know obviously due to his scoring ability obviously off of set pieces so um that's why i chose him as one of my center backs and i think strike right strike uh no i think he's gonna bounce back i think what they spend like uh 12 million pounds on him uh leads did i think he's gonna have a better bounce back game and then hopefully get the clean sheet for the side Okay, well, I've got some overlap here as well, and so I'll, I'll take one from you, Barrett, and I'll take one from you, Clayton. So, but uh, so you from from uh, Lester as well. So I, again, I, I expect them to probably keep a clean sheet uh, against Burnley this weekend. Looked pretty good in Week One uh, as they thumped West Brom, and then Gabrielle. That, that's my guy in the fantasy league. You guys know that I picked him in our fantasy league last week, and and again, he gets a goal in Week One. But you know, after a few nervy moments early on, I thought he played pretty well, uh, settled in, and then you know he has that ability, big, big, tall, strong guy, uh, in in a good header, and uh, you know, scored a goal from a, a set piece last week as well. So I like him uh, as my other uh, center half as well. But but let's move to the midfield, and we arbitrarily, I guess, picked a four-three-three formation here. But we can we can tweak that around as need be, and I think you guys have have, have made a couple of tweaks here. But uh, Barrett, give me your three midfielders. Well, uh, the the first one is simply the best player in the Premier League with Kevin De Bruyne. You know, didn't play last week, but uh, you know, I'm not going to pick him every week just because he's the best player. But with this matchup against Wolves, I think. Uh, I think it'll require a bit of quality through the middle of the park for them uh, to break down that Wolves defense, and I, I think he'll take care of that. Uh, pairing him with uh, Allen from Everton, played very, very well against Tottenham, uh, really controlled the middle of the park. Uh, again, West Brom, that unanimous 20th place choice uh, for this group, so uh, should be good there again. And then I got Deli Alley. Uh, Harry Kane was uh, pretty quiet uh, in the opening weekend, and I think uh, – He's going to take that a bit personally and uh, make an impact. So I think uh, coming through the middle there with Deli Alley, possibly feeding him, picking up an assist or two. Yeah, you, you'd expect Alley to bounce back and have a much better performance this week for sure. Yeah. So I, I like that pick. So, Clayton, who, who are your three guys in the middle? So who are your center center mids this week? I mean, obviously you have Kevin De Bruyne, Van de Beek, and James Rodriguez. Uh, I think uh, James is going to have, you know, a field day, like you said, Barrett, to quote you. Um, against West Brom, I think he's going to be able to actually take people on, you know, have a couple shots, and I think he might actually net his first Premier League goal uh, this week. And Van de Beek, kind of the same. Um, I kind of want to see how he meshes up with the rest of the team. I know he did he impressed well last week. I know they had a little friendly against Aston Villa. Um, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see him back into – you know, in, in in the Premier League. So I think he'll, you know, have a breakout game, hopefully, for uh, Manchester United. I mean, it, that one's kind of on a whim. I mean, I have him on my fantasy team, so I want him to do great. So, um, but I think he'll 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 make it, it an impact for sure this week. 
Oh, I like it. So I, I'm I'm going to go with a couple guys maybe off the beaten path a little bit, but I like them for fantasy purposes this weekend. And give me John Joe Shelby with Newcastle. Ooh. I thought he played really, really well this weekend. Uh, you know, it was kind of the the creative engine for Newcastle uh, in, in that game in week one. And so I, I like him. He's involved in a lot of the movement moving forward. And, again, if he can avoid a red card, he, he does have uh, see the red mist from time to time. But he stays out of trouble. Uh, I like him to, uh, to put up some good points this weekend from a fantasy perspective. And then also I like Tom Carney from Fulham. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about Fulham and, and that they're going to struggle to stay up this year, and I certainly agree with that. But uh, Carney is, is, is one of the, the better players that they do have. And, again, someone's got to score the goals and get the assist for Fulham, right? And so I, I like Carney. I think he's involved in a lot of their set pieces, takes a lot of the set pieces as well, uh, despite the fact that he's playing a little deeper role than he has uh, in the past. And so, But I, I still think that he's going to put a good performance in. And you guys mentioned it earlier. You know, Bruno's a little bit late back. Uh, had a little, had had some layoffs from uh, the off season, but uh, I, I like Bruno Fernandez. Right, he he is the uh, the engine that makes Manchester United go. I think he's going to be jazzed up, despite the fact that maybe he hasn't had quite as much training leading up uh, as some of the other players. But uh, I don't see any way that uh, Ole doesn't start him this weekend, and, and that he doesn't have a good performance. He's just involved in so much of what uh, United does going forward. So lots of touches, lots of accurate passes, maybe a penalty kick in there, maybe an assist. Uh, give me Bruno as a my main man. But let's move up top, guys. So uh, a couple or a couple wingers and a striker or some sort of combination of those two. But but who are your three guys up top uh, that you think are going to bag all the goals this weekend? Barrett, let's start with you. Who are, who are your three attackers? Um, I'm going to start with uh, Graylish going down the left. Um, obviously hasn't played uh, in the new season yet, but uh, look for him to potentially make some things happen, maybe even on the counter uh, against the Southampton side that likes to possess the ball. Um, on the right, I'm going to go Willian. Involved in all three goals for Arsenal uh, this past weekend. I think that'll continue. Should have some uh, some assists there, as well as uh, some potential crosses and accurate passes. Then up front, I'm going Aubameyang. You know, 22 goals last season. He's already on the score sheet in week one. Uh, that'll continue and uh, look for at least one goal out of him, if not two. Uh, Clayton, who who are your three guys up front? So who do you go? Who are you going with to bag all the goals this weekend? So I have Rashalson. Uh, Muhammad Sama or Salah, Salah, <laughs> uh, and Aubameyang. Um, Richarlison, um, I thought he had a good game against Tottenham. Obviously, he was just open down that left side the whole time. It was just one, two, three passes, pop it out to Richarlison to break, you know, uh, Tottenham's press. And I think he's going to have a field day again against uh, West Brom. Um, I think he's going to find the back of the net this uh, this week. And then for Muhammad Salah. I mean, obviously, with the the hat trick this past weekend, I I can't see him not scoring at least a goal and or assisting on another, um, possibly to Firmino or Mane. Um, Abomiang, I think he's going to get a number of chances this game. Uh, he'll probably bag one or two, hopefully. Yeah, Abomiang, Mohamed Salah, and Rashalson are my yep. top three. Aubameyang, he just got paid, right? So yeah. he's going to be relaxed. He's going to be excited. And he played really well in week one. So, well, my guy up top is, is another Gooner. And so I uh, give me uh, Lacazette as my striker, my center forward up top. You know, he he, he bagged a goal in week one. And, again, I, I really like the, the, the vibe in, in the moment that Arsenal are in. And I do think that they'll play really well and probably beat up on West Ham a little bit there. So so give me Lacazette as my striker. And then on the, on the wings – 
you know, again, my homer's showing a little bit, but give me Marcus Rashford out on the left. So uh, I, I think that he's ready. I think that he's primed. I, I think that this is going to be the year of Rashford. You know, if we can keep him healthy, uh, keep him out upright, I, I really like him out there on the left wing. So we'll see what happens there. And then on the right uh, from Wolves, give me give me Adama Traore. You know, he, he had really kind of had this role in the last year or two of kind of coming off the bench and being that change of pace guy. But it seems like, you know, Espirito Santo, he, he may have earned that starting position now on the right wing. And in that Manchester City game on Monday, I anticipate that being a very open matchup. I think, you know, Pep and City are going to play football. You know, they're going to move forward. They're, they're, they're going to have some opportunities, that being Wolves, to kind of get in behind. And I think Traore's pace in uh, his physicality is is just really off the charts. And so he can get a little wild at times with crosses and, and uh, uh, his, his, his intent to kind of take on players. Uh, but I, I think that he's going to have some opportunities. Now, does he, does he actually score a goal or get that assist? We'll see. But I, I like Traore uh, out on the right wing there, guys. Uh, any any closing thoughts on anything, guys? As we as we kind of wrap up episode two here on the Yankee Wankers podcast, so we've made our picks. You know, Barrett, your prediction uh, overall, I guess perhaps uh, on the weekend. So, what do you anticipate kind of coming out of this this week two of the EPL? First, I'd, I expect to see a couple of draws, uh, so we won't have that uh, that uh, that clean win loss column for everyone, but. Uh, you know, just start looking for that separation, right? I mean, after one week, you got half the teams winning, half losing. And this week, you start to see a little bit, uh, some more matchups with good on good and bad on bad. So uh, that table separates a little bit where that first week, it was a lot of good teams playing bad teams. So, you know, not only at the top of the table, at the bottom of the table, I think it'll be a lot of intriguing matchups. Clayton, any, any closing thoughts from you, man? What are your expectations overall from week two? Like you said, Barry, I think there's going to be some separations starting to happen, obviously, and then we'll obviously get some ties too. Um, I'm just looking forward to hopefully Leeds bouncing back um, against Fulham, which I think they will. The only problem I have with Leeds is, you know, they do have a great, you know, work ethic and, you know, their ability to press, but I don't know how long that's going to last in the Premier League. Um, are they going to be able to – you know, if they get injured, how are they going to be able to put uh, people, you know, how, how is their depth? How are they going to manage injuries? Um, for right now, it looks good, but I don't know how they're going to sustain it going in, you know, into December and January and February. So, um, like you said, I think you see them in the middle of the table at the end of the year, but I'm hoping they bounce back this week and get a win. Yeah, and, and Bielsa, man, his his management style, he, he's so he's meticulous. He he just grinds. And so it will be interesting to see how they hold up over the course of uh, 38 weeks uh, in, in at the at the top level at the EPL. So uh, definitely going to be looking forward to that Leeds and Fulham match for sure. So, well, guys, you know, I think that just about does it here. Uh, and so now really all that's left is to enjoy the matches this weekend and see what happens. And so for our listeners, now you can follow my my cohorts here on Twitter. Barrett, you're at Hartman underscore LFC, right? Yes, sir. Okay, and then follow Clayton in his uh, football musings at McCluskey 101. Is that right, Clayton? Yes, sir. So M-C-C-L-U-S-K-Y uh, 101. Yes, sir. 
Okay. Well, guys, well, again, appreciate you both being with me in studio here, and I look forward to next week. And while this will wrap it up for episode two, the conversation doesn't end here, everyone. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. So enjoy the matches this weekend, gang. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. 